wanted to take a moment and give praise and glory to God this morning uh, for something that special that really happened in our family this week, and uh, that is that the Oklahoma Sooners won the Heisman two years in a row. <laughs> two years in a row. That's awesome. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, there, we had something else happen too. Uh, uh, Jordan is officially a Myers this week, and so we're excited. It's been a lot of uh, celebrations in our house over the last couple of weeks, and and uh, and actually, there's going to be more of her birthdays next week. So it's a whole Jordan month. Uh, but but anyway, it's it's been really good. We we couldn't be more happy to just see what God is doing in our family, and and uh, it's just awesome. So pray for us. That's all I got to say. It's a big family. It's just a big family. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people living in my house right now. So that's good. All right. Well, we're going to finish out this uh, letter that Peter wrote. Uh, we started on this uh, a few weeks ago uh, that we call Second Peter. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Second Peter, we're going to be uh, finishing out chapter 3 this morning. And as we talked about Peter in this letter, he's locked up in prison awaiting execution in Rome. And he is, um, you know, kind of pondering, you know, he's got these last minute thoughts that he needs to get out. So he writes this letter to the churches that he has influence over and uh, it begins to circulate out and become part of scripture eventually. But uh, in this letter, just days before he would be executed, what's on his mind, as we've seen over the last few weeks, is he just wants the church to kind of keep doing what they're doing and stay on the right track. And so he's really warning against uh, the dangers of false teachers coming into the church that might get the church off, off uh, you know, its focus of, of Christ. And, and uh, last week specifically, he warned against this false teaching of the idea that, well, it's been 30 years since Jesus went back to heaven. Um, you know, he said he was going to come back, but he hasn't yet. 30 years is pretty long to wait, so he's probably not coming back. And so a lot of these people were, were beginning to kind of lose their patience and, and kind of twist up Jesus's words. Maybe it meant something else or, you know, whatever. And so Peter was uh, last week of, uh, kind of affirming that idea that, that God doesn't count time the way that we count time and that his patience is actually a good thing. And, um, and so he, he just is kind of encouraging them to stay on the right track that, you know, the same God who was in control when he created the world is the same God who will set all things right and bring justice and, uh, and deliverance in the end. And so uh, just, just stay faithful because God is faithful to us. And so in these uh, last about eight or nine verses that we're going to read today, eight verses, um, Peter gives us kind of the, like with that in mind, with that in mind that Christ is returning and we shouldn't lose hope, how should we live? What does that mean for us personally as Christians? And, and so now, the message he gives uh, to us today is a message that it's not, it's not sexy. It's not flashy. It's not going to sell a lot of books. It's, it's, it's one of those messages that, you know, if your parents ever sat down and like, we need to have a meeting, let's talk. And not like a you're in trouble talk, but more of a, I need to give you some wisdom. And it's, the, it's, one, of those, it's one of those bits of wisdom that's like most of us don't want to hear. It's like, yeah, I know, but that's not what I want, you know, and we want what we want. We want it now. And Peter gives a message of patience and faithfulness. And, and again, the, the concept of the Christian walk being made up of days of patience and faithfulness is not something that, you know, it's not that 
those speakers aren't going to sell out arenas necessarily, but it is, it just is what it is. It's the truth. And so we're going to kind of dive into this and, and see what he has to say here. So he starts off in verse 11, Second uh, Peter chapter 3, start with verse 11. And he says, uh, Phil was making fun of me earlier because I'm actually reading out of a real Bible today. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's going to be a good, we're using the Bible today. It's going to be a good Sunday. So anyway, um, so the thing about my Bible is I can't pinch it and make the words bigger. So that, <laughs> that would be nice. If they could invent paper, you could pinch. That would be great. All right. So it says, um, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, and he's talking about you know, when the Lord comes back and all this kind of stuff. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So he, he has this concept in here that I love of, of, you know, we need to be living lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. So I can understand the concept of waiting for the day of God, hastening, which kind of means um, helping to bring about or to kind of hurry up. Like, how is that within our control to hasten the day that, that Christ returns? And I think it really leans into that concept that we've been talking about for the last several weeks, that, that when we partner with God in his work of setting this world right and, and, and bringing about his kingdom here on earth, your kingdom come, your will be done work that we do right now in this life, that work is not in vain. It doesn't just disappear when the end of time comes, that the kingdom building that work that we do right now has lasting and eternal implications on into the day when the Lord returns and establish, fully establishes his kingdom here on earth and, and reunites heaven and earth, right? That has lasting implication. We actually help to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. We hasten it even now when we do that kingdom work. I love that concept because because in the back of my mind, sometimes I worry that, you know, what if all this work I'm doing doesn't mean anything? What if, what if the stuff I'm trying to do for Jesus, you know, building a church or working in a community or, or whatever the case may be, like, what if all of that just in the end doesn't really matter? And Peter here is reminding this church and he's reminding all of us in this church that it does matter that that work that we do, it helps to bring God's kingdom. When we get out and we share the gospel with people and nations who have never heard it, it helps to bring God's kingdom, that God is, is, is a beautiful God who, who invites us into that process with him. And so, yes, be uh, uh, patient and wait, but also hasten it at the same time. Be, live those godly lives. And so he goes on and he says this, verse 14. He says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. That, that last, those last two or three words there, like we, we tend to kind of gloss over that. And we gloss over the idea of peace in the Christian life. Like you don't have to raise your hand, but, but I wonder how many of us in this room could honestly say that when we look at our lives, we feel like we're at peace. At peace. 
And yet that's, that's the, the lives that we're called to live. Like, I've, I've had a few moments of peace. <laughs> I've had a few peaceful moments in my life. But could I look at my life and go, no, my life is characterized by peace. Do I feel peaceful? Do, am, I, am I living a peaceful life? Am I living at peace with other people? Am I, do I feel peace in my own soul? Like, that is, that seems like that, you know, that ring that you're just trying to grab and you never can quite reach. It's just right there. You know you're aiming for it. You want it in your life, but it's just, ah, it's just, it's just, uh, just slightly out of reach. Instead, most of us live lives that are marked by frenzy and, and conflict and, you know, frustration or whatever else. And, and we, we get bogged down in that stuff and we forget that like we're embracing a life that God has actually called us out of. He's called us into a life of peace life of peace, that there really is genuine peace in Him. That even in the worst of times in our life, we can find peace in times of loss, in times of, uh, you know, frustration and relationships deteriorating, things like that. We can, in our hearts and in our souls, feel peace with God. That's a hard, it's it's just a hard thing to kind of get my head around that we're called to that at times. Because I, if I'm honest with myself, I just I don't often, I don't often feel peace. I might feel uh, meh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I might feel kind of blah, mediocre at times. But for like genuine peace in my heart, I know when I have felt it, it feels really good. And I and I I just know for me personally, I need that more consistently in my day-to-day life. Anybody else could agree you need that more consistently in your day-to-day life? Yeah. He goes on and he says, um, verse 15, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. He kind of touched on this in the passage we read last week, where basically he's saying it's a good thing that God is taking some time. It's a good thing that he's patient with us because the longer he is patient, the more people have the opportunity to come to faith in him and find that salvation, and find that beautiful life that we've found. It's a good thing that God is long-suffering. That, and, and we, you know, a lot of times we get in that, we're crying out for justice. God, you know, this, is, this, this world is evil, or this situation is bad, or my life is going to hell in a handbasket, or whatever the case may be. Like, God, just come back and deal justly and take care of these evil people. And we want to we, we pray that kind of justice down the problem with praying for justice is that none of us really want justice. None of us. Because if we truly got justice, uh, none of us get out of this thing cleanly, right? We're all dirty, rotten sinners. The only thing that establishes us from any other dirty, rotten sinner is Jesus in our life. That's it. And yet we cry out for justice, and, and in the meantime, we lose sight of the fact that just as God loves us and longed for us to enter into a relationship with him and find that peace in him, all those people that we're crying out God's justice down upon them are also God's children, and he loves them just as much, and he's patient and long-suffering with them. There will be a one day, there'll be a day when, when he, he, the line is crossed, and, and he says, this is the day. But until that day, as the father of all these children all over the world, he, ha- he has the right 
to hold out hope and be patient. And it's a good thing that he is. Thank God. Thank God. He didn't come back and establish everything and do every, you know, go into judgment mode the day before you embraced him, right? Thank God that he was patient and waited on you. And so look at uh, verse, oh, there in the rest of verse 15, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. I love this part. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Now, Paul has a cameo appearance in Peter's letter here today. It's pretty great. And he says, uh, verse 16, as he does, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Now, I love this little passage because uh, Paul and Peter have a history. They're very different people. Paul is hard, hard charging, tends to be very black and white about things. Uh, very, at times, abrasive in his style, very sarcastic in his style of, of his writing and things like that. Uh, he is uh, just a go-getter. He's like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to sit around and wait. He likes to go, let's go start some churches. Let's get out there. Let's go start some churches. Let's spread the gospel. And, and he is, he's that kind of guy. Very uh, driven by, he's a thinker. I mean, he, he, the reason we have a thing called theology is because of the Apostle Paul. I mean, he, 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 that's the way he... He had that Western mind of, of thinking like that. Then you take Peter, who is very driven by his emotions. Very, you know, he's a, he's a very much more emotional type of guy, wears his heart on his sleeve, tends to, you know, put himself out there and say things that he, he's got to, you know, retract. And I mean, he's just, he's that kind of guy. And the two of these come together and eventually, Though they loved each other and considered themselves partners in the gospel, eventually there were some disagreements between them. In fact, we read about in the books of, book of Acts where you know, Peter got a little sideways over his situation and Paul called him out and, and, and Paul was right to call him out. But they, they, there was a little bit of tension. So by this point, what, what, what the scripture tells us, and it's really interesting, a little kind of historical thing, is that we're, we're talking about 30 years after you know, Christ ascended to heaven uh, and the church has been going for about that long. And and in the beginning of the church, they, you know, they didn't have any New Testament scriptures. It was all reading the Old Testament stuff and making sense of how Jesus fit into all those prophecies and seeing all that. And, and, and then you had the apostles, the first, you know, those first followers, the eyewitnesses of Christ on earth who were telling the stories of the way Jesus taught and how he lived his life. And so it was very um, uh, kind of verbal in its communication and, and, and that sort of thing. And so then very shortly after, you know, in the history of the church, some, there's some gospels started to be written about the life of Christ so they could have that in written form and pass it around and share those stories after the apostles were gone. Letters start, started being written. Paul's letters were being written to these churches. And these letters that Paul were writing were so powerful, so impactful that he would write to a church, say like the Galatians or, uh, you know, the church of Galatia. And they were like, this is so good. We can't keep it to ourselves. So they began to send it to other churches and they began to spread all over the place. And other churches began to read these letters of Paul. And then Peter here tells us, he says, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do what? The other scriptures. So already just 30 years into the history of church, we see that the church was beginning to see Paul's letters on par with the other holy scriptures. They were already starting to establish that New Testament very very, very early on is something that these are, these, these are have valuable. They're, they're obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I love his, his attitude about, he's like, you know, I see you're reading Paul's letters. Um, good luck with that. 
You know, he's just like, they're hard to understand. Anybody ever feel Peter on that when you're reading through Romans or something going, what in the world? What in the world? I mean, it's just, it's so much just so hard to make sense of. And at times it seems very circular in his writing. And, but, but Peter is just like, yeah, it's, it's tough to understand. But he's like, because it's tough to understand, be careful that you don't allow people to come in and twist it and make it mean something that it doesn't really mean. That's important. And again, he's very worried about false teachers coming in. And then he goes on. And he says this, he says, um, verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And then, then he closes off in the same way we talked about that he opened up this letter by telling us to grow in grace. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now, Peter, in his last moments, what he's thinking of is, I, I need for this work that we've done, this work of Christ that, you know, that he started and that we have tried to continue. I need it to continue on and stay on the path that it was meant to be. I, 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 he's, I'm nervous that these false teachers are going to creep in and get it off and get it thinking about things that are false, and I, I need it to continue on and he realizes that sometimes a false teacher can come in, snake oil salesman type, and, and, and come in and offer you an easy fix or an easy solution or an easy, easier path or, or whatever. And he's like, don't fall for that. Just stay the course. Be faithful. Be patient. Yes, Jesus said he was going to return. And it's been 30 years. 30 years. Like if you had somebody in your life that told you they were getting ready to come back, and 30 years passed, you would probably lose hope too, right? He's like, I know it's been a long time, but be patient. It's good that God is patient with us. It's good that he is faithful to keep his promises to us. Be faithful to keep your promises to him. And all he's got on his mind is just stay the course, be faithful, and grow. Just grow. It's like, it's not... It's not fast. It's not easy. It takes time and it takes patience. One of my happy places, if you've been here very long, you know, one of my happy places is getting up north into the redwoods. I love getting in those old growth groves. Those trees are just enormous. And so, you know, you get up in the avenue of the giants and, and some of those trails up there are just stunning, just absolutely stunning. I mean, and, 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 the, and the size of those, those living organisms, I mean, some of them have, have been through fires that have burned out the inside of them and left these little fire caves that you can get down in with your entire family and be inside this tree that survived a, a forest fire God knows how many hundreds of years ago and is still just growing and growing and growing. I, I love being in those trees. And one of the things I really love about those trees is how old they are. Uh, there's not very many of those groves left anymore because of all the logging that was done early in the 20th century and, and stuff. But, but the ones that are there, thank God they're still there that we get to experience them. And, and, but, but one of the things I love is that as Peter was penning these words of be patient and just continue to grow, some of those trees were just saplings just starting to grow, just little bitty baby twiggy looking trees, little Charlie Brown looking trees. Just starting as Peter is saying, 
Have patience. Stay the course. Continue to grow in your faith. And now 2,000 years later, you can look at some of those trees, and they are stunning. Absolutely amazing. They weren't in the beginning. In the beginning, they didn't look much more than a weed or a little stick sticking up out of the ground. I'm sure that tree, when it first started, would have liked to have just gone, I just want to be the biggest right now. I just want to be the one that everybody comes around and takes notice of and oohs and ahs over. But no, that took a couple of thousand years to get to that point. Now, none of us have a couple thousand years to live, but we do have these lives to live. And the problem, you know, Einstein talked about this when he was talking about his theory of relativity and how time works and stuff. And, And the problem with the way we experience time is that days sometimes are so slow. But years and lifetimes go by so quickly. So quickly. Sometimes you go through a day that is like, I, this day can't get over soon enough. I'm tired of this day. This day, you, you, know, it, you know what it can do with itself, right? Like, I'm tired of this day. And it just creeps by and you're going through whatever, whatever conflict or pain or whatever it is you're going through. And, and ah, these days, these days. Sometimes you go, a season, go through a season of those days it's like, am I ever going to get out of this season? And, and what, what I've learned over the years is that these days often are slow. But man, these lives are so short. I, in just a few weeks, Jamie and I have been married for 24 years. I look at that and I go, how is that even possible? How is that? Even, like, I honestly, in my heart, still feel like it's just been a little bit since we were first dating. I mean, it really feels that way. How is it possible that it's been a quarter of a century that we've been married? How is it possible that I've now have been married longer than I was single? Right? And, and it's just, it, 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 these days can be so... Now, there have been some long days in this marriage, trust me. <laughs> There's been some long days. But man, our lives are so short. So short. I think Peter understands this as he's sitting in that jail cell, wasting away, getting ready to be executed. I think he understands that principle. I think he understands that, you know, it's like, it's like when you see someone that's just about ready to achieve something and then they want to give up and you're just like, don't give up. You're almost there. You're almost there. And here, Peter, he's just, he's just going, I know you guys want to give up. I know you want to take an easier path. I know you, maybe you want to go back to your old life, but stay the course. Stay the course. Stay faithful to God as he is faithful to you. Be patient because this thing, does anybody remember when we were kids, some of you that are older, maybe remember when we were kids and we'd have that day at school called field day. Remember field day? Field day was this day where we had kind of a weird track meet at school. Everybody had to wear their shorts to school and some of us just did our running in our jeans and, uh, but you'd go out to the, you know, the field and the playground and they would do all these track of field type things, these sprints, this 50 yard dash and hundred yard dash and things like that. And I never, and they'd hand out little blue ribbons if you won. And I never won any of those dashes. Never, ever did I win one of those. And, um, <laughs> and so, so, but, but, but I just know like I, you just be booking it, just hustling as hard as you can to get to the end. All these boys lined up or all these girls lined up and just seeing who could be the fastest. And some of us live our lives spiritually this way, where we are just in a sprint. 
And it's fun to be in a sprint. It's fun to be in a foot race because if you win, you get to look at all the people that you're better than, right? It's fun to do that. It's awesome. Makes you build you up, makes you feel great. You're the best unless you're not the best, right? And we live our lives spiritually like in a sprint. I want to be the most spiritual. I'm the most spiritual. I'm the most spiritual. Nobody's as spiritual as me, right? I, I'm the most, I'm the, what was, we said this in a, when was that? It was like, in a, in, oh, I think it was an elder meeting where we were talking about one of the characteristics of our church being, uh, you know, just the humility that we have here. I was like, we are definitely the most humble church. <laughs> Nobody's more humble than us. <laughs> just joking around. But like we want to, it's so, it's so fun to kind of, you know, be in a position where you can kind of compare yourself. But this, this thing that we do called faith in Jesus Christ, it is not and never has been a sprint. It's always been a marathon. It's about going the distance. And anybody who's run, who here has ever run a marathon? Anybody? Anybody? We had a couple in the first service. Oh, okay. A couple of you. All right. Good. First service was more fit than you guys, I think. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, no, if you've ever run a marathon, and I never have. I never have. Uh, I just have talked to people who have, right? And, and so what I've learned from talking to people who have run marathons is that a couple things. Somebody who takes off just hard charging in a dead sprint in the, in the, at the beginning of a marathon, marathon will either finish towards the end if they finish at all, right? Or they just won't finish at all. Because you blow all that energy and you get it out, you don't have anything left for the end. And I see people doing this spiritually all the time, and they come out of the gate so excited, and they're just hard charging, hard charging, hard charging, and work, work, work for Jesus, work, work, work for, for Jesus, and then they, they just burn out. I see this with pastors all the time. Like the, the number of pastors who actually finish their careers as a pastor is so low. You can't even believe how low it is. Because they just burn, burn, burn it all out. The other thing I know is that in a marathon, as you, if, you're, if you're actually running that 26 miles, right? 26 miles? Yeah, point two. Don't forget the point two. Point two is critical. So you're running that 26.2 miles. You are thankful along the way for those people with those cups of water. Some of you are thankful along the way for that occasional porta potty, Right? You're thankful along the way for the little first aid teams who can help you with a skinned up knee or whatever. My brother, he ran a marathon several years ago, lost all of his toenails. Just, just lost them all, right? Just nubby. I love it. I love it when my brother gets hurt. Anyway, so <laughs> anyway, but he did that. Like, like, it's just, it's, it's a hard thing. And you, there are ups and downs to it. You eventually hit that point that they call that second wind where you just feel like, oh, I got all this extra energy or whatever. And, and you do that. There are these there's times where you feel like you can't go any further, and there's times when you feel like you could keep going forever. And that's the way this spiritual life is. It's not all victory and concerts and all that kind of stuff. It, sometimes it's, it just looks like life. Sometimes it looks like pain. Sometimes it feels lonely. Sometimes you're asking, is God ever going to show up? And what he calls for is not a sprint, but just faithfulness, one foot in front of the other. Now, like I said earlier, it's not sexy. It's not, it's not sexy to talk about that. It's not that, that somebody preaching that message is not necessarily going to sell out an arena. It's just right. It's just, you want to go the distance in your faith. It looks like one foot in front of the other, just keeping going. 
Isn't that, but it's the same way about so many other things in our life too. You want to go the distance in your marriage? There'll be days you don't feel like being married. You just kind of put your head down and you just keep going. Just be faithful. And what we've, if you've done this for very long, what you found is that on the other side of that valley that you're going through in your marriage, if you push through it, there's beauty and there's depth of relationship on the other side. Just be faithful. But I don't exercise and practice faithfulness to my wife just by reading every book on marriage or going to every conference on marriage, whether she comes with me or not. No, I do that by time in with her. Like, that comes from living a life with her. Going out through those ups and downs and celebrations and tears and, and, and births and deaths and sickness and health and all of that stuff that we commit to, like, you go through all of that, and I promise, you know, we take those vows when we get married for richer, for poorer, and whatever, sickness and health and whatever else I can promise to do. <laughs> we do, we take those vows, and it's so easy to say in the middle of a ceremony with everybody looking on and cake to be eaten later. But the truth is, when you get to sickness, sometimes it's hard to keep going. When you get to poorer, sometimes you want to give up, trade up for richer, right? So we hit these times. It sounds so easy, but when you hit those dark times, at times it can be almost crippling. I think the same thing is true of our faith. You, you go through these valleys, hills and valleys with God, Sometimes it's so easy to follow God. Sometimes you just feel his presence so powerfully, like how could you have ever doubted once in your life? And there are times it just feels like the doubt is overwhelming. Just absolutely overwhelming. I go, I go through that too. We all go through that. But it's about keeping down that same path. That, put up that, that point I want to make today. It's this, that we need to live in faithful anticipation. That's what Peter's trying to tell us in this passage. There is something worth looking forward to. There's something worth anticipating. God's presence in our life, God fulfilling his kingdom promises, all of that kind of stuff is worth looking forward to. But whether it comes quickly or whether it comes after we've already passed on, doesn't really matter. We are called to faithfulness. And what I've learned is that in my life, I don't need necessarily any more concerts where I get those glory bump experiences, you know, or, or whatever. I don't, that's, those things are good. And I'm not saying don't go to concerts. I'm just saying they have their, they have their function. But what I actually need instead of concerts and big, you know, exciting things going on, what I really need is Jesus. I need that relationship with him. I need to feel closer and closer to him as the years go on. And that only happens when I spend time with him. That's why, that's why uh, uh, Peter, 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 who was it said this? Jesus, sorry, I think it was Jesus that said it. He said, you want to know what heaven is? Knowing God. You want to know what heaven is? It's knowing God. You want, you want to experience heaven here on earth? Get to know Jesus. Get to know, and, and that means spending time with him. It doesn't mean sprinting past him, like you're trying to race him to be more holy. Uh, you know, just run, 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 run. 
you got to stop it. Some of you guys are working yourself silly. You are fretting about all of your sins and your mistakes, and you just, it's just like this, you're running this spiritual frantic pace that you cannot possibly sustain. And in the meantime, Christ calls you into a life of faithfulness and to a life of peace. A life of peace. Like what if you actually could experience peace in your life? How do I experience that? I, I just know God. I just get to know him. And it gets richer and it gets more beautiful as the years go by. You see somebody hard driving and just boom, boom, boom. It's just like they're so excited, so excited, so excited. We need people like that. We, the world is changed at times by people like that. That's a good thing. But you know, as I've gotten older, what's more impressive to me? Somebody who can still claim that they love Jesus with all of their heart and enjoy time worshiping him. And I know their life, and I know the pain that they've been through. I know the circumstances that would have just crippled anybody else. And yet they're still faithful. They're just faithful. And here's the thing about these lives that we live. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. But there are some, there's some pain along the way. Pain of death, pain of broken relationships, pain of loss of income, pain of illness. Pain, you know, we, we experience some devastating pains along the way. And you show me a person who has had life throw its worst at them and they're still praising God and glorifying his name. There's nothing more beautiful than that. Nothing. And that's what Peter is reminding us this morning. He's like, I know it's going to be so easy to choose an easier path, something that looks easier. But these are false hopes. These are false paths. There's no truth in them. There's no peace in them. Instead, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Just be faithful. It looks like patience. It looks like a long run, a marathon instead of a short sprint. Some of us are, really struggle with things like that. My life is... I look back on my life, it's just littered with exciting starts and then giving up over. And my life is littered with that stuff. And I, there's a handful of things that I've just committed. I, no matter what, I will not give up on. I'm not going to give up on my relationship with God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to give up on my relationship with my family. I'll always be in their life. I'm not going to walk away. I, for me, if I can do those things, then I can look back over my life and go, I, I was faithful in the things that were most important. Now, your list of what's most important might look different than my list. But when it comes to this thing, our faithfulness to Christ, like we are called to just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Right? Just keep on. Because we know that at the end of that path is something so beautiful. Being welcomed, welcomed into Christ's kingdom with a well done, good, and faithful servant. Don't lose sight of that last, that, that last word, faithful. We focus on the good. You were good enough, come on in. But were you faithful? Did you, were you really with him? Or was he just background noise, white noise to your life? Be with him. Know him. Find peace in him. Give up the rat race and the frantic and everything else. We, you know, we're all called to that at times. There's, there, you're going to have experiences in your life where you're called 
to embracing that pace for a short season. We all go through that. But let your life be marked by the peace of God and just a faithfulness that you can look back. This is what I, I can look back on my life and I'm not perfect by, by any stretch of the imagination. But because of faithfulness to Christ, I'm also not where I used to be. I'm also further down the road than I used to be. And you only get to experience those victories through time in, through faithfulness. So let's be that. This is why, this is why when, I t- when we talk about church here at Living Hope, like in my mind, I'm not trying to build a church for you guys. I'm trying to build a church for your grandkids and your great-grandkids. I want, I want a church that a hundred years from now our family and our neighbors are still being blessed by. And yeah, we'll get some stuff out of it along the way too. But let's not be so sprint-minded that we lose sight of what's important. Let's, let's, plant, let's plant a redwood here. God's planted one in your heart. And you're, you're just cramming it with fertilizer and water just trying to get it grow, grow as fast as you can. He's just like, slow up, be patient. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to happen. Let's plant a redwood here in Dixon that grows and grows into something so beautiful. Right? Let's do that. So let's pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word to us through your servant Peter this morning. We thank you for the reminder that you have called us to something so much more significant than just an emotional moment or a quick fix for a problem. You've called us to a life, a life. And so God, as you plant those seeds of of longevity in our heart, as you plant those seeds that require patience and faithfulness in our in our hearts. God, I pray that you would help us to stick to your plan. Help, help us to stop trying to rush things along and instead just embrace what you have for us. God, help us to realize that you are present with us as we're getting ready to start celebrating in the Christmas season that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And so help us to realize that while we're sprinting, uh, you are just wanting us to be present with you. So help us to find that pace with you and instead enjoy the path, enjoy the journey, enjoy the walk side by side with you. Thank you for loving us the way that you, thank you for your patience. Thank you that you were patient to us, for us to come to faith in you. And God, we ask for your, while we also ask for your kingdom to come, we also ask you to be patient on those around us, people that we love and and concern. We want them to come to faith in you, people who have not yet heard your word. The growing number of people, even in this country, that are growing up never having heard your word, God, be patient with them. And if there's a way that you can be patient with them and come quickly at the same time, God, that'd be great. But in the meantime, help us to just accept your plan for this world and uh, partner with you in it. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.